Friends, welcome to Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that's the rule, not the exception. Today we are discussing dyadic relationships. Can't have a relationship or you can't have leadership without a minimum of two people. That's just the bottom line up front. Leadership began somewhere with a relationship between two humans. And that's where we're going to start today. We're going to talk about the dyadic relationship, its importance to leadership. What do we need to know about it? How do relationships devolve into chaos? How do we sustain relationships? How do we strengthen them? That's what today's episode's about and some more. Hope you enjoy it. You're here with an open mind. Remember, I think I already said that, but we'll repeat it again here with an open mind because that's the rule, not the exception. Hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. Welcome back to Leadosophy, friends. Quick, uh, Welcome back to Leadosophy, friends. I read from Wikipedia because I like Wikipedia. some good information in Wikipedia. Got to be a little careful. But I read, quote, in sociology, a dyad, which is comes from Greek dias or pair, is a group of two people, the smallest possible social group. As an adjective, dyadic describes their interaction. The pair of individuals in a dyad can be linked via romantic interest, family, family relation, work interests, partners in crime, so on. The relation can be based on equality, but may be based on an asymmetrical or hierarchical relationship. The strength of the relationship is evaluated on the basis of time the individuals spend together, as well as on the emotional intensity of their relationships. A dyad can be unstable because both persons must cooperate to make it work. If one of the two fails to complete their duties, the group would fall apart. I think we can all agree there's definitely some, some truth into this. Anyone who's been in sort of a sort of relationship, whether a strong emotional relationship or superficial relationships, I think we all can agree that there are there's some amount of energy needs to be put into those relationships to sustain them or to make them flourish. I went down this rabbit hole uh, for a few reasons. One, I read an article in Harvard Business Review, and it was about managing your boss or the relationship with your boss. And I hate I hate the idea of managing people but they were talking more about managing the relationships. And it got me thinking about kind of a poor experience I had in the latter stages of my career. I had a boss that was, in my view, through my reality, was toxic. I didn't get along with this person. We just never saw eye to eye on anything. And it devolved to the point where I completely tried to avoid interacting with this person. I just completely shut down to any type of relationship with this boss. And it saddens me a little bit looking back on it because there may have been some things I could have done to, to change the trajectory of that relationship. But I didn't. And if I, tr- and if I reflect on that relationship, I try to think about what, what did I do to, to make that relationship toxic? I'm sure there was a little bit of ownership on, on both parts. What assumptions were I making? What, did I make about this person that were not correct? I think one of the 
foundational aspects of why our relationship was toxic is there was such a wide divide in technical competence. The areas that we were strong in were so completely far apart from the technical aspect of, of Coast Guard standpoint that it was really hard for us to see eye to eye on accomplishing objectives and accomplishing goals that we were trying to achieve together. So maybe that was a large part of why we failed to make a connection. We never made an emotional connection. For, at least from my standpoint, the only emotional connection I had was frustration, irritation, every once in a while, a little bit of anger. And again, caused me to uh, pull away from this person. And we, I don't think we really accomplished much together that wasn't really forced. And it was just an unfortunate situation. And again, I'm, I'm not judging that person. I'm just judging the nature of our relationship, which was a dyadic relationship. It's the basis of any, it's the basis of leadership in general. A minimum of two people. The smallest social group is what it says on the Wikipedia as far as talking about what a dyadic is. There's an actual theory in leadership, organizational leadership studies called the leader member exchange theory. And it talks about dyadic relationships. It talks about how we develop unique relationships between a leader and a follower. And these relationships vary from dyad to dyad between pairs. So think about it. Think about any, if you're in a position of leadership right now, if you have different followers, how are the relationships different from person to person? Are some members of your different dyads or some in the in-group, some in the out-group? Do you avoid some of your followers and tend to trend or are you more attracted to other followers because what they bring to the table, whether it's their technical competence, their personality? How can you separate this in the workplace from how we just act in the day-to-day, -day, our day-to-day -day natural environment, creating social relationships? I don't know if, as if we can really separate that sometimes. So let's start with one of my favorite deductive arguments. So I go back and forth. I have a couple friends that I go back and forth with about leadership in general. And, and is leadership complex? And if you're linking leadership to human relationships, I've always thought that leadership must be complex. Because anytime you're dealing with human relationships, human relationships are messy, they're fragile. They are at times unpredictable. Human behavior is unpredictable. Personalities differ from person to person. So I created a deductive argument to make my case that leadership is, is, a, is complex. It's not simple. It can't be simple. Because again, I have some friends that are like, leadership's easy. Take care of your people. Well, if that was easy, if it was that easy, I think everybody would do it or want to do it. I don't know if that's the case. So what is a deductive argument? The basic deductive argument has two premises and a conclusion. So I'll give you an example. All dogs are animals. That's the first premise. The premise, the second premise is Fido is a dog. So premise one, all dogs are, are animals. Premise two, Fido is a dog. The conclusion which follows deductively is that Fido is an animal. So the conclusion follows strictly from the two premises. That is a logical deductive argument. And I took a little logic in, in college. One of my favorite classes, I like the structure of arguments. I like 
how they can be either valid or sound or not sound. I like trying to pull arguments apart to see what the different parts of an argument are. So I created a similar argument for making the, making the case that leadership is complex. The first premise is that leadership cannot exist without human relationships. Is this true or false? In my mind, I can't see how this is false. Leadership cannot exist without human relationships. Absent a minimum of two people in a social relationship, you have no leadership. So that's premise number one. Premise number two is human relationships are complex. Would you agree? Is this true? For the sake of this argument, I am assuming this is true. I don't know of any relationships I've ever been in that haven't had some sort of complexity to them. So again, running through the first two premises, premise one, leadership cannot exist without human relationships. Premise two, human relationships are complex. The conclusion that follows strictly is that leadership is complex. That's accounting for both premises are true and the conclusion follows from the premises, which it does. So if this is a sound argument, which I believe it is, I believe it's pretty watertight. I would love to hear your thoughts. I think this is a reason to deepen our understanding of leadership. And moving this back to dyads or the the dyadic relationship, the pair between two people, leader, follower, dyad. This is important if our argument that I just made was sound. So each leader follower relationship is complex and requires attention. That's my assumption. Is it true that energy must be expended to keep a relationship from declining into chaos or towards disorder? And if so, if this is true, how much energy is required? And what type of energy is required? What are some examples? I think about some of the, the high needs followers. Someone, anyone listening may have had experience with a, a follower who has high needs. Maybe they need constant approval. Or maybe a person needs to constantly hear that he or she is doing a job well. There's people like that. They need that validation. How much energy is required for the leader to put into that relationship to not only sustain that relationship, but to make that relationship flourish? And on the, on the converse side, think of the leaders who have unpredictable personalities. How much energy is required from the followers in that dyad relationship, dyadic relationship? How much energy is required for a follower to keep up with that leader that is completely unpredictable? So already we're talking about the dyadic relationship, one-to-one, leader-follower, and the energy that is exchanged between those two, and how much energy is required to sustain those relationships. And does the type of energy change from relationship to relationship? Or are you on the mindset that you treat everybody the same, you put the same amount of energy to all of your followers? You know, you may have multiple dyadic relationships. You may be a, a leader with eight followers. So there's eight pairs essentially of, of dyadic relationships. Do we put the same or the equal amount of energy in each one? Does it flow back and forth? Does it change based on the context or the circumstance? These are just things I think about when I'm trying to, to deepen this understanding of leadership and what it means. At the base of leadership, I don't see how we get away from trying to understand relationships. Now, granted, within an organization, you have missions, you're trying to achieve common goals, but it all comes down to the relationship, the one-on-one relationships in some form or fashion. I don't see how we get away from that. 
Here's another assumption I have. A leader follower dyad will lie on a scale from toxic to flourishing. And I mentioned this on my last, my last podcast when I was talking about first principles. This is one of those base assumptions that is the building block of, of understanding the essence of leadership. What is when we're trying to develop a concept of leadership, it starts with number one relationships and those relationships can lie on a scale from being absolutely terrible to great. And then everything that falls in between. We talked about some relationships are stable, some are unstable. Is it possible that all relationships are unstable to a point? I like to think of relationships as dynamic. You're either moving towards strengthening these relationships or moving away from strengthening them. Again, back back to putting energy into relationship, whether it's in your marriage or it's in a professional business relationship, you we have to put some amount of energy into these relationships to make them work. How much? What type? It's a question to be discussed. Another assumption I have is that the leader-follower dyad is a relationship of mutual dependence and mutual cooperation. The question is, who owns the burden of that dependence and cooperation? I was mentioning I read a Harvard Business Review article, and they put the burden of that relationship on the subordinate. On a boss-subordinate relationship, the burden of that relationship is on the subordinate. Leadosophy disagrees completely with that idea, with that premise, with that supposition. It is the leader's job to ensure that their followers know what their expectations are, to ensure that everybody's kind of on, a, on, a, on the same page, to get everybody moving towards a common direction, towards a common, go- towards a common goal. I asked my wife that question, who owns the burden of a relationship between leader and follower? And her first question was, does it have to be an all or nothing thing? Does it have to be all on the leader or all on the follower? And I agree. That was a great question. I don't think it does. I think it's, again, it's a relationship. It requires effort from both sides, cooperation from both sides. But at the end of the day, I, I think, and I think she agreed with me that the burden falls more on the leader leader than it does the follower. But I don't know if I've always seen that in the workplace. I've, I've seen some leaders that just go about their daily business and they make no attempt to put any energy into relationships with their followers. I don't know if they just expect that the followers will follow them without question, with strict obedience. Maybe that's part of it. I'm not really sure. I'm sure every leader that takes that approach where there's a little energy putting into put into relationships they do it for different reasons or sometimes maybe they don't even know they're doing that i think that's possible maybe they need some feedback from the followers i think maybe that's where the burden may shift onto the followers to bring attention to the leader that hey you know you need to put some more energy in this relationship i don't know what you expect every day you come in you're unpredictable those may maybe really hard conversations to have from the follower's perspective, maybe it's fear. They're afraid to have those conversations. They may lose their job. I think that's a real concern that people have. But I definitely agree with my wife. It, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. It shouldn't be an all or nothing thing. The burden kind of flows back and forth depending on the situation and context, I believe, as well. So what makes the leader-follower dyad blossom? Just some key things I initially popped out to me. I think clear expectations. 
I think some sort of predictability. I think the leader has to have some sort of predictable behavior that the the follower can get used to, can settle in, understanding the personality, understanding the the traits and characteristics of that person. And I think that flows both ways. Predictability, reliability, open-mindedness, I think is another another quality or quality of a relationship that I that will help the dyad blossom. And I think between the leader and follower, there's got to be a certain amount of vulnerability that is allowed within the relationship that allows the relationship to maybe deepen a little bit and not just remain on this really superficial level. I don't know how effective the dyad can be on a very superficial level. I think maybe the deeper you can get that relationship, I think maybe it will help with effectiveness, however we want to define effectiveness, maybe based on situation or context. And on the, on the contrary, what makes the leader follower dyad toxic? And some things I think about are faulty assumptions. I think about that, the situation, my own personal example that I talked about in the beginning of the show with, with my boss that I assumed was a toxic person, had toxic qualities. I made, again, this was quite some time ago, but I can think back that I made quite a lot of assumptions about the behavior of this person, about the competence of this person, about the expectations of this person that I never really truly investigated. And I think that probably didn't help the relationship at all. So yeah, faulty assumptions is a big one. Organizational pressures that get pushed downstream, I think that can make a dyadic relationship toxic. Think about the boss's boss who's a tyrant. If the boss's boss, if your boss's boss is a tyrant, how does that trickle down to your boss? And then how does that influence how your boss treats you or affects that dyadic relationship between you and your boss? And lastly, I want to, I would just want to say that I think every leader follower dyad counts. You know, it's the old adage that every conversation counts. Every relationship where you're putting in energy or not putting in energy will matter in the long run there will be a certain impact, short-term, long-term. We got to think about our sphere of influence. How many dyads do we have in our world, in our bubble? Do we have a few leader-follower dyads or do we have many? And does the amount of energy change from the amount of dyads that we have? Does the complexity of leadership rise? The ripple, what are the ripple effects? What is the interconnectedness of the relationships between followers who share common leaders? Are their individual experiences different? Do they get treated differently? Going back to that leader-member exchange theory, again, this is the leader-member exchange theory is a theory that I talked about that is presented as a theory of leadership. And leader-member exchange theory talks about dyads and, and it takes the focus solely off just the leader. A lot of leadership theories are based solely on the leader. There are some leadership theories that are based solely on the follower. Well, the leader member exchange theory brings these two together and focuses on the relationship. What out groups have we created? What in groups are within these relationships in the workplace? And is it unavoidable that the leader follower dyads will be different from relationship to relationship? So that's pretty much it for this episode. What leader follower dyads do you have in your life? Maybe this is in the community. Maybe this is in your organization. 
just think about the dyadic relationship you may have on a personal level in your personal life. How much energy is being put into those relationships? How much energy is not? Are those relationships stable or unstable? Are they devolving towards chaos? Are they strengthening? Are they flourishing? I think there's some parallels between the personal side and the professional side. Again, I don't see how we get away from human relationships, their complexity, their messiness. We can't get away from those just because we're at work. It still happens. It's still extremely important. And it has a huge influence on, on what leadership is as a concept. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. And of life. Thanks for listening or watching today. Catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.